This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, ho, it's The Garden Show. (laughs) (laughs) And the sous chef of The Garden, yours truly, Frank Proctor, welcoming not only you, but of course, Charlie Dobbin herself, the master gardener. Good morning. Uh, Good morning. Yeah, you were mentioning uh, on the way uh, in this morning that you you uh, encountered uh, light traffic. Well, you didn't, and neither did Alan Gelman. So yeah. either people knew I was coming and just got out of my way, which is a wise move. Yes, which yeah. is very sweet of them. Or my other theory is that people are not going out on the roads today. They're uh-huh. staying at home, putting on their work clothes, getting out their rakes, and they're starting <laughs> to rake leaves or mow leaves, as the as the case may be. Great deduction. Well, yes. there's quite a layer at my house, yes. so I imagine there's quite a bit of a layer at many other people's houses. And, and I mentioned something to you before we got in the studio here. Happy Cat Day. Cat it's, Week, you said. Yeah, Cat Week. Cat You're Week. I know. It's so National cool. Cat Week. Well, I'll tell you, my little homeless kitty cat, who's not really homeless anymore, he lives in my backyard, but weather gets a bit cold, and he's just in my house and doesn't want to leave. But I hesitate to leave him, excuse me, in the house, because... He is a feral cat, and he yeah. really doesn't know what kitty litter is or any of that oh, stuff. Oh, dear. Well, we don't want that, no. So, yeah, he's in for a couple hours. And when yeah. it's cold, a couple hours every day, yeah, though. Cute little guy. He's got some, got some great shots of him I on know, your uh, sweet. phone. Well, okay. Gee whiz. Uh, better get going here uh, and phone mention the phone numbers. numbers yeah. I know you're going to want a little time to mention some goings on. You know it. Alrighty. If you're in the Toronto area, my friends, call 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, it is toll-free, 1-866. 6-6-7-40-4-7-40. Remember our little mantra, call early, call often, and one question per call. Okay? <laughs> yeah, no Proctor. sneaky That's stuff. That's right. And if you're a first-time <laughs> caller, let Sebastian, our operator, know. And uh, when you get on the air, or just say, prior to you getting on the air... That's what you're going to hear. A little welcoming bell. Wings. Yeah, garden, garden wings. wings. Yeah. First-time callers. We love to welcome all callers, but we're always particularly excited when someone calls for the first time. You bet. Hey, it's Halloween weekend. Yes. Yeah, lots Boom. going on. Ooh. <laughs> you going out? Uh, no. no, I don't no. think so. Expecting any kids? Well, no. <laughs> we live in a farm. It was way back in the woods, and now, no, no wouldn't be many kids. Hey, I don't live in a farm, and there's so few kids that come to my house. It's the same thing. But get lots of leftover candy, so Ooh, that's all, that's that's all okay. good, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. But meanwhile, keep in mind there's there are lots of fun things going on. Tomorrow, family fun at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. Halloween Howl from 1 to 3 p.m. Bring the kids. Wear costumes. 
It's an afternoon of spooky outdoor games, Halloween crafts, and a peek at some of Halloween's creepy critters. You must register in advance. Just go to torontobotanicalgarden.ca and click on events. Tomorrow, as well, the Toronto Japanese Garden Club presents their, believe it or not, 64th annual Fall Flowers and Bonsai event. I think that's pretty cool. 64 years, uh, the Toronto Japanese Garden Club has been doing fall flowers and bonsai. So from 12 noon until 4.30 p.m., you can be awed by displays of ikebana and bonsai. You can watch demonstrations at 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock, and you can shop for gifts, plants, and everything else. There is a tea room on site for refreshment. Admission is only $5. Children under 12 are free, and I have failed to... Here we go. I don't know where this is happening. I'm going to have to... (laughs) I've got everything. I've got the date, the time, the activity. But I don't have the location. Well, uh, if okay. someone connected with that organization wants to call I'm in and let Charlie know. I'm going to admit to that, and yes, indeed, I will have to see where, what I did with the location. It's I don't know why I get such pleasure. I, that's why I think I like doing it. I do it just to watch you giggle at how silly I am. Uh, okay, more more on that to come. But that sounds like a lot of fun if we can just find out where it is. <laughs> All right. Oh my gosh, you're a riot! All righty, we're nine eleven here on the Garden Show, and we will. We'll get to your pertinent questions. In fact, be along to uh, head out to Pickering and have a word with Josephine in just moments. First, these words on the garden, <laughs> the garden show. <laughs> Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, just before we uh, just. Pack away to Pickering. Uh, <laughs> let's go back a little touch there, and you picked up the proper. You wanted address. me to go back and admit yeah. on public radio yes. my error. Oh yes. Uh, okay, I <laughs> failed to, to get one small detail when it comes to an event that's going on tomorrow. So tomorrow, the Toronto Japanese Garden Club presenting the 64th annual Fall Flowers and Bonsai event. Event takes place at the Japanese Canadian Cultural Center, which is 6 Garamond Court in Toronto, 12 noon until 4.30 p.m. Wonderful, wonderful research. Good Ah, for you. My pleasure. All right. Josephine, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm hanging. (laughs) Good. Okay. My question is this. I have two, but I'm only asking one. Oh, good. My daughter gave me... Uh, two hanging baskets of mandevillas. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful. They're in bloom. Mm-hmm. We're trying to save them. What do I do? Have you got a sunny window in your house? Yes, I face south. Oh, perfect. And they're in the house now or they're still outside? No, they're in, in the house, still in the hanging baskets. So you could leave them in the hanging baskets and put them on a plant stand and let them trail down over the plant stand. You could hang them from the ceiling. You could, either, you can either let them trail or they have to climb up something. They are a vining, climbing yeah, I type know. plant. I cut up some, cut off some of the long tails. Yeah, but if you can give them full sun, only water as required. Right. You can keep them perking along and looking pretty all winter. Yeah, with me facing south, I have, in fact, I have to close my blinds when the sun is is high, you know. Mm. And let's face it, it's higher in the winter than it is in the summer, which drives me crazy because I figure 
why is it cold in the winter when the sun is close, so close to us? Well, it's actually it's, it's lower in terms of the angle of the sun, so it right. comes deeper into our rooms. So it, it certainly it fades our furniture more intensely in the winter, in a sense. But um, but you do need that bright light, or at least uh, do you have shears at all, or just solid I blinds? I have the vertical blinds. Okay, so as much light as you can provide to those mandevillas, the happier they will be. Do not fertilize at all until next spring. Okay, what kind of a fertilizer? next spring? Uh, just a, any good flowering plant fertilizer. You know, people have their favorite usually that they'll use. Uh, a 15, 30, 15 is usually a nice kind of a formulation. Um, well, my daughter said to me, Mom, take them home. You save plants. I don't. Yeah, good. Good for you. Well, the, and don't be afraid to do some trimming back if they're getting unruly. Right. And don't be surprised if some of the leaves turn yellow because yeah, it I've is... Yeah, I've had a couple turn yeah. yellow. So would you say that watering once a week? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I would say water as required. Water so, as required. So get either get used to what the feel is, the weight of the pot. Right. So when it feels light, you will water, and when it feels heavy, you will not. Or stick your finger in the soil. Okay, then I'll save my question. other question for next week. I'll uh, talk okay. to you next week. Thanks, Thanks for great. calling. Okay. Nice to hear from weekend. you. Thanks, Josephine. You too. And, you know, Josephine can all, all, always call back in. No, you know. I think she's yeah. she's right. Just right. that one, she's getting to be a real regular caller. And, yeah. you know, we're starting yeah. to get oh. a little bit to know. Soon we'll be over there having breakfast at her place, well, I think. Well, oh, that sounds you good. Know, we'll just yeah. have to zip off to Pickering. There but, we- you know, <laughs> if she calls once a week and gives us an update, that's good. Good. Right? All right. Good enough. But you're right. She Lady could Brown. call back. Yeah, I mean, you're allowed that, you know. Yeah. Kenny in Scarborough, <laughs> good morning, and welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I have a question regarding sweet red bell peppers. Yeah. Because of the frost just recently, had to pick the plants, mm-hmm. the peppers, and they're mm-hmm. still green. Mm-hmm. Only a couple have gone red over the last month or so. Mm-hmm. Is there any way you can preserve the picked green ones until they turn red? So that's a great question. All all peppers start green, and all a green pepper is is an immature pepper. And if you can leave a pepper on the vine or encourage it to ripen further, they will turn red, orange, yellow, all kinds Mm -hmm. of colors. So any that have started to show the tiniest tinge of red will continue to turn red. Just leave them on a windowsill not facing uh, directly into the sun. So like a northern or an eastern windowsill, window ledge, countertop, that sort of thing, they will finish off with the reddening. Any that are still pure green, not a touch of red, something I find that works is newspaper. Just open up some newspaper. uh, Very loosely wrap each green pepper in two layers of newspaper and then just again no refrigeration or anything just let them sit somewhere on a counter and check them every couple of days and what will happen is inside that newspaper um, there are gases that the the plant naturally gives off that the peppers are going to give off as they're sitting inside the pepper in the paper it's actually ethylene that they're going to exude and that ethylene will build up inside the newspaper will cause the ripening you're looking for so the coloration that you're looking for again as soon as you get a little bit of color showing out of the newspaper, uh, out into the open, just sitting on a, a counter or windowsill. And they sh- so they should ripen up no problem. Once they're the right color, then you can refrigerate them. Okay, because with tomatoes, uh, they seem to work like that. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, onion, uh, the uh, peppers, I noticed one time that they went soft before they turned red. 
Okay. Well, there is a pos- yeah. It's always possible because, it, but it sh- it can work or it can't work. It just comes down to bacterial bacteria that may be on or in the pepper, which is given the conditions in which it starts to grow, and then you get the rot setting in. So, um, yeah. But but the theory does work with peppers exactly the same as it does with tomatoes. Okay. Would a would a plastic sandwich bee bag be better, or is it no. better to have it wrapped in newspaper where it's darker? <laughs> No, it's not just the darker. It's the fact that there is still some gas exchange. If you put it in plastic, yes, it will just turn to mush very quickly. Yeah, you've got the, the, that little pepper is still alive, right? So it still needs to exchange carbon dioxide and oxygen and all these various things have to go on in plastic. That won't happen. Okay. And you, could you tell me when's the best time of the year to plant these hmm. sweet bell peppers? Is that a second question? It <laughs> no, is, but... It's know. okay. It's a good question, though. <laughs> Sneaky. Um, the challenge with sweet peppers is that you want to get them, them outside and into the ground as early as you can in the spring in order to maximize your growing season. But you want the soil temperature to be at a at least uh, about 60 degrees Fahrenheit Uh, or warmer before the peppers go in the ground because a cold soil slows down the peppers to the point that sometimes they will not even produce any flowers if you put peppers in the ground too early. So in a perfect world, peppers go out, they stay outside, back and forth through that early spring, late spring, uh, but we hold them back from going directly into the ground as long as possible. So it's usually late May, early June, but getting them outside and into bigger pots is a great idea in the meantime. Okay, thank you very much for that advice. We'll try that out. All right, thanks Thanks so much for your call. All right, thank you for joining us here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Um, we're going to take just a smidge of a break here and stay in Scarborough, by the way, to go talking to, uh, to uh, Elizabeth in a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, Charlie Dobbin, let's go to Scarborough <laughs> once again. Okay, okay. there's Parker. Elizabeth. <laughs> good morning, Elizabeth. Oh, good morning. Morning. Um, it's uh, dahlias that I'm concerned about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you have to bring the tubers in, but mm-hmm. do I cut the tops off, or do I shake the earth off, or rinse them off, or put them oh. in a paper bag, or what do I do with them? Good questions. Well, first off, are they still outside? Yes. Good. And they should stay outside until you've had a hard enough frost that the foliage dies right down. Oh, okay. And you probably it's, it's have looking pretty limp these days, but... Okay, limp is one thing, but drop to the ground is another. Okay. Uh, so wait till they they've literally have dropped right down. We've had mild frosts, and I imagine where you are, you've had mild frosts. Yes. We haven't had a really, really hard frost, though. Even where I live, the geraniums are still perking along, and many of the, the hardier annuals are still going. Bottom yes. line, though, dahlia is going to drop at some point because after a cold night. At that point, you're going to dig it up. Yes. What I do is lay them out on newspapers in my garage. So you okay. want them somewhere out from the weather. So you don't want, like, you want them out um, under, under cover. Just sure. be a, could be on a porch, in sure. a garage, in a shed. Let them sit in that undercover situation for about 10 days. Okay. After 10 days, cut off all foliage, which will now be crispy and, and finished. And the soil will be quite dry that was attached to the tubers. So gently with your fingers, remove the soil that comes off easily. Don't wash them or anything like that, but just uh, give them a brushing off. And then those are the tubers that you're going to 
bring either bring in or put into a frost-free location for the entire winter. Yes. They do like to be kept in just plain old peat moss that is slightly moist. Oh. And so that's what you want. You want a little bit of moisture around them. They're the one the one tuber that will just shrivel up and turn to dust if you put them away dry. So you need a little bit of moisture, and you will need to check on them, you know, every month or so. Uh, a dark location, preferably a cool location, and, a cl- like, clean peat moss because it's – Peat moss is sterile, and that's good. You want them stored in a sterile medium with a little bit of uh, moisture in that. I see. Okay. So they could go like in a in a brown paper bag with a little bit of peat moss. Except I probably wouldn't do a brown paper bag. I'd probably do. I mean, it could. Let's think. <laughs> I've done different things with them over the years. You know, I've put them into like a, a cookie tin. You know, like a, just different things. Oh, that, really? Um, or plastic Tupperware box. Because mm-hmm. that moisture part, if you go into paper, your paper bag's just going to get all wet and fall apart. Right. With yeah. the moist peat moss. So you do need some kind of a, a plastic bottom. Oh, so it could okay. be like a, you know, like a Tupperware thing or, a, you know, food sure. container. It doesn't have to be a tight lid on on top, but it does need to have that moist uh, peat moss, and the tubers need to be covered. Okay. 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 Well, thank you very much. You're right. very welcome. Thank you, Elizabeth. You're on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio as we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex mm-hmm. in Liberty Village. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, get my old bell-ringing arm out here. Uh, let's go. Hey, Cynthia, that's for you out in Mississauga. You should see Frank when he does this. It's like a big deal to ring this bell. He really does practice it, I think, uh, you know, Sunday to... Well, I'm going to donate my services, I think, to Sally Ann, you know. I think you could. Coming up to that season. You'd be a bell ringer for sure. Yeah. Hi, Cynthia. Hi, good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, My question is about my hibiscus. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, it had an insect white fries. And I got an insecticide spray and from um, Sheridan Nursery, and I sprayed it, but it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So the, the leaves were falling. All of them were just falling off. Mm-hmm. So I've cut it right back, right mm-hmm. down okay. to the branch. And um, do you think I did the right thing? And where have I killed it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not. Do you have any? What did the? Tell me about the insect. They were white insects, white fries. Oh, okay. Okay, and they were just on my hibiscus. They didn't <clears throat> go on the other plant, just and, the hibiscus. And did you see those little white flies this summer? Oh, yeah, they, they started about uh, two months ago, yes, oh. just the summer. And was the plant outside for the summer? No, no, no I, I'm, I'm indoor. I'm you, in a condo, so yeah. indoor plant. Everything's inside. Okay, so uh, yes, in a sense, you did do the right thing. Um, The hibiscus are pretty tough, and if the plant was reasonably healthy, it will have energy in the root still. Mm -hmm. The white fly was attacking the leaves and sucking sucking juices from the leaves. Mm -hmm. So by the leaves dropped off, um, and of course, you carefully did your trimming. You've removed all the, the stems and the leaves that you cut off. You've bagged them, bagged all that, and taken it out to the garbage, I so did. it's completely gone. Um, the plant with no leaves on it <clears throat> should have no white fly on it or white fly eggs because they lay their eggs on the leaves as well. The one thing to be careful of is is overwatering. When you have no leaves on a plant, it's you, you do not water by the calendar. You only water when the plant is dry. Oh, okay. So if the soil is moist now and it's in the location where it used to thrive, keep it in that location and just keep an eye on it. Little buds will should start to show because there are always dormant buds uh, where you've done your cutting back. Um, 
the, just there under the bark. And so you should start to see little green starting to protrude through the bark. And once the little buds start to show, of course, they'll start to grow and you'll have new leaves. But you'll f- be feeling the soil before you water. Okay. Okay. Um, should I, I, I remove the top soil? Because I thought you were <clears throat> laying the eggs in the soil. So I move about an half inch of topsoil. Okay. And um, can I add some more soil to it now, or is it um, too late? Oh, no, definitely. When you, whenever you remove soil, make sure you add soil okay. right away. So it. some fresh potting soil that's been moistened, you don't want to just add it dry from the bag. Okay. Okay. Yeah, thanks very much. You're very welcome. Hi. Thank you. Good Cindy. luck. Let yeah. us know how that goes. And, uh, you know, it's a good time to mention that the uh, lines now, we've got a couple of uh, lines open. So if you're just dying to give a call to Charlie, alrighty in Toronto, call this number 416-360-0740 and then anywhere in the province toll free 1-866-740-4740 and while I have a moment I'd like to refer to a little message passed along uh, from Sebastian our uh, operator there that uh, Chris uh, in Dunville called ask about the acorns and how, how that's all done. Uh-huh. Plant acorns and what happens. Alright so remember what happened there. You yeah. and I in our travels through High Park, yep. where we love to go every Saturday after the show, uh, we decided that, well, it was kind of started because of my daughter, actually. My niece was having a baby. My daughter wanted to plant something in Remember, honor yeah. of this big event. And, of course, my daughter hasn't got a pot to piss in, so the last <laughs> thing she can do is go out and buy anything. Because <laughs> she wanted to plant a tree. Mom, I think I want to get a tree. It's like, okay, honey, where are you going to plant a tree? And where are you going to get the money to even buy a tree? Yeah. So I came up with this bright idea of why don't we collect acorns at High Park? Yeah. And my daughter can plant oak trees to her heart's content in honor of her her cousin's uh, birth. So we did. You and I went out there and got pocket, pockets full of acorns. This is two years ago now. Mm-hmm. We took them home. We did the water test. Do you remember the water test? Yeah, yeah, I do. So uh, those that floated get rid of. That's right. We got. Yeah. A, we both did this in our yep. separate little situations. Then we we had some nice fresh potting soil and Ziploc bag. We put the sinker That's, acorns, which yep. were the keepers, into the Ziploc bag with that moist potting mm-hmm. soil. Marked the date and stuck them in the fridge. To what? Two months? Three months later? Yeah, about three, I think. Uh, yeah. Just. Both of us happened to take a look at those Ziploc bags, and what did we see? Bingo! A mass of roots, and those acorns were germinating and growing like crazy in the bags. So that's when we started planting. And um, so what happened was I, to this day, still have, I believe I've got seven oak trees Mm -hmm. in pots in my backyard. I bury the pots for the winter in my vegetable garden because they can't survive above ground in pots and because I don't want to plant these on my property. I don't have, have enough room. And my daughter and her cousin and another baby that was born, all these people are having babies, but nobody has any place to plant an oak tree. They're all, so they keep talking about, well, we're going to go to our local park and plant it. It's like, no, that's not going to work. You can't just take a little oak tree and stick it in the park and hope it's going to survive. So uh, so we're, we're waiting for the perfect location to, to plant those oaks, but they are very sweet looking. Yeah. It's a very nice plant. And they've come along just beautifully. Um, yeah, no issues, no complaints, just looking for the right location. So anybody wants to volunteer and take baby oak trees off my hands and has, oh, okay. a, has an there acreage for planting, let me know because uh, I don't. <laughs>
Oak trees personally nursed by yeah, our master gardener. Born and raised, mm. right, yes, right there in, the in Richmond there. Hill. Mm. Well, good. Hey, yeah. Chris out in Dunville, hope that answers some of your questions. Meantime, we'll get back to the lines here. Uh, Sandra in South Etobicoke. She was South Etobicoke. How exactly? Well, that's like, well, you know those Etobicoke people. Yeah. They're pretty specific about the (laughs) different areas of Etobicoke, I find. Okay. So let, let, uh, she'll have to tell us. A proud South Etobiconian. Oh, there's a name for that. that. (laughs) Sandra, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, but this time I didn't say South Etobicoke. Oh. (laughs) Are you in South Etobicoke, though? Um, I'm about a couple of kilometers from the lake. Oh, that sounds pretty south. Are you so you're south of the lakeshore? No, north, north of the lakeshore. Okay. Well, you know that's Sebastian. He's got just like a memory, like an elephant. So I just <laughs> he probably just said, "Oh, this is Sandra from South Tobago." <laughs> he did. Um, I'm calling about the uh, Japanese wonder flower. Right. They were fabulous. Oh, good. Bloom all the time. Grew to about four foot high. Wow. Yeah. Um, flowers that look a little bit like a small morning glory. Mm. but in solid colors. Right. What do I do with them now? Good question. I've never grown them before. Look, no. I'm just showing Frank. Look at these. Cause you, never, you, never. You, I didn't even know what they were. I remember. You, and you called me, and I didn't know what they were. Right. Um, I'm thinking I'd probably keep them like a dahlia, but would I keep them in dry peat moss or damp? Yeah, because they grow from a, a tuber, right? It's it looked a, a bit like a, a carrot. Right, um, very I've elongated. A sort of carrot. Mm-hmm. And so. it's a very hard, you know, rock-hard tuber. It was black and it was rock-hard. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that I put them in peat moss. I don't know. Um, all right, so what I'm just reading, because there's a lot of American sites here. So the actual name, of course, is Mirabilis, M-I-R-A-B, as in Bob, I-L-I-S, and then it's Jalapa. So Mirabilis Jalapa. Other names are Marvel of Peru, Pretty by Night, Japanese Wonderflower, um, Marvel of the World. So they're also known as Four O'Clocks because they open late in the afternoon, right? Yes. Uh, they, they would sort of open at different times. Sometimes they would be open in the morning. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they wouldn't. I think it depended on the light. That's right, probably the kind of the day. Yeah. So uh, they are a tender perennial. So you're right, they are not going to be uh, surviving outside. Typically, we grow them as an annual. Um, mid-green, ovate leaves, uh, bears clusters of fragrance. Were they fragrant flowers? Mm, not noticeably. Mm, supposed to be fragrant. Trumpet-shaped in white, yellow, pink, purple, or red that supposedly open in the afternoon, and they should be fragrant. The uh, skin, be careful of um, do not eat them, whatever you do. And some people, their skin gets irritated by the, um, the tubers. So, okay, propagate methods. They did produce some little black seeds. When the flowers stopped flowering, uh, they went to seed. Yeah, you and can. And they had this little black seed, and in fact, I've noticed around the base, some of these seeds have That's, germinated. Oh, sweet. All right, so you know what I would do? I'd leave them in the pot. They're in pots, right? No, they're in the ground. Oh, they're in the ground. Okay, because I was say, this is one of those ones where 
when they're in the pot and it's a tender bulb that we've or rhizome or you know tuber whatever the case may be that we've put into the pot we can just leave it in the pot after frost hits it we just take that pot with the whatever's in it and put it away for the winter into a frost free location so you've got to dig these up i've got to dig them and up because yes, they grew really quite tall I yeah say, like you said, the I mean, ones in full sun got to about four and a half feet oh my god yeah they, mean, they, i'm talking you know high in I had some in a sunshade location, maybe a foot and a half, two feet max. Huh. So That's the great. Sun really did a lot for the growth. Well, you see, you did the right thing. Plant in moderately fertile, free-draining soil in a sunny, sheltered pla- protect- uh, sorry, location. Not frost-hardy, so will require protection or lifting of tubers. Alternatively, grow in a container and overwinter indoors. So they're suggesting you could bring it in growing, but you've had a bit of frost, I imagine, and are, are totally. they knocked yes, down? Yes, they've, they've gone. They've gone down. So just start digging. Do the drying down that we talked about for the dahlias. Right, so I in, do that with my dahlias. Pardon? I, I do the same thing. Yeah, so treat them for now like you're going to treat your dahlias, and I'm going to have to report back later. Well, I, I think it's going to be a dry, just dry sand or dry peat moss you're going to put them in for the winter. Rather uh, than the damp. Not damp. Dahlia, I think, is going to be the only one we ever put into damp. We followed what you told us years ago to do for the dahlias, and it works wonderfully. We actually put them in the plastic bags you get at, at a grocery store oh, because they okay. get very heavy yes. with with the uh, peat moss, mm-hmm. and we tie them up and put them in our attic. Oh, wow. We find lots of little bags is easier to handle than that, one right. great big one. Big box. But your attic's cool enough, eh? It's very well insulated. Uh-huh. Um, yes, it's and our garage is separate from the house, so right. it's not frost-free. Too cold, yeah. But the, the attic does work. Wow, yeah, exactly. You never know where somebody's got a cool, dark location. <laughs> That's all you need. And like you're saying, you're the, that moist peat moss makes a big difference. Sometimes they do grow the tendrils. They're white. Yeah. We just cut them off. Well, because... They've always... Be, they're not mushy when we take oh, them out in the, in the spring. Because they do want to get growing. Like, they know that the days are getting longer, so they'll start to grow. And, of course, it's white because they're in the dark. Yes, and we take them out a couple of times maybe through the winter and sometimes have to spray it again yep. because it might dry out. Yeah, they'll get all wrinkled and, and die. Yes, so you've got to keep, keep yeah, track of them. Damp down the oh, good. Mask, but it works really, really well. Excellent. Well, thanks for the update. And I will provide more about your Japanese wonder flower. <laughs> if not today, then first thing next week. In the meantime, treat it like a dahlia. Thank you, Sandra. Uh, we have to at 9.40, man, make it 9.41. Take a little bit of a break here. We're coming back when we do to uh, a first-time caller here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. And uh, just before Charlie and I get at it again, check these little words of wisdom out. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweetwilliams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively <laughs> on Zoomer Radio. <laughs> My little... Tinkle of the bell here. I know Even that. Even before we got back in there. That air. arm just wants to get I going know. on that, that <laughs> bell. <It's laughs> and that was something. for Joan in Hamilton. Welcome to the show, Joan. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. I want you to know I enjoy the show so much. Oh, good. Oh, uh, Thank I'm, you. I'm calling about my orchids. Mm-hmm. I have four of them. Mm-hmm. Two I got in the summer. 
now they lost their flowers, mm-hmm. and I cut back the stems, but the leaves are still green, mm-hmm. and I water them. And two, I just got about a month ago. Mm. Um, I wanted to know, uh, I was at the Canadian Tire, and they had orchid. I think it's a fertilizer. Mm-hmm. But it was for other flowers, too, other plants. And I wanted to know, do I fertilize them now, or should I wait till spring? It's hmm, a good question. The way it works is, uh, you're right, Number one, part of your question was orchid fertilizer. And yes, orchids do require specific fertilizer for orchids. It could say on the package that it's for other plants like gardenias and some other indoor plants. But make sure it says that it is designed for orchids because it will have some micronutrients required by orchids. So once you've got that in hand, the question is, do you use it now? How you can tell when to use fertilizer is when a plant is actively growing, you may use fertilizer. When it is just sitting there, you may not. (laughs) So, for example, if your orchids were blooming right now, I would say, yes, they are actively growing, and yes, you should fertilize them. If they are just green plants, I would say, no, do not fertilize them. Okay, And for those of us that have Christmas cactus in our homes, that's a plant that is currently actively growing because they're setting buds. They are getting ready to break out with all kinds of flowers just in time, hopefully for Christmas. Uh, And that is a plant that is actively growing when it's putting energy into flower bud creation. We need to support that by fertilizing. Oh, uh, the ones that don't have stems, will they grow them back? They will if you look after them properly, watering appropriately, making sure they're in bright, diffuse light. Uh, and, and what you'll do is even if they are not showing any signs of flowering, that by the beginning of February, you will start the process of, of fertilizing all your orchids monthly. And so if they aren't flowering or showing signs, they will shortly thereafter because the fertilizer and the longer days should create, you know, cause the formation of flower buds. All right. So in the meantime, they might just be green plants, but there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Okay, okay Joan, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, at the moment, a cloudy uh, Saturday, but I know very they were, mild. They were talking about some rain maybe this morning. Yeah. I'm ho- crossing my fingers uh, that there won't be any rain. It was amazing. I left my house. It was 11 degrees at my house. Got downtown half an hour later. It was 15 degrees. No kidding. Wow. Well, we're... Now, and it is warmer downtown yeah. anyway because of the Lake Ontario, right? Moderating the, the temperatures. Lake the yeah. lake effect. Exactly. But still, 15 degrees at 8 o'clock in the morning... In at the end of October, yeah, pretty darn good. Yeah, it's a gardening day at my house. Now, both you and I have an affinity toward uh, Prince Edward County, lovely part of the province. True. And I remember last time I went there, drove through a lovely little town called Brighton, Mm. and there is Rose on the Mm. line from Brighton. Good morning, Rose. Good morning. I've grown roses for years and years, Mm -hmm. and uh, but. Uh, This has been a funny summer and Mm -hmm. fall, and I've cut my last two. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, um, I've cut them back. I don't know if I should have done it already, but um, anyways, I'll cover them with uh, loose leaves and Mm -hmm. then cover them with other coverings later on. Mm. Um, Have I done the right thing, or is it too late? (laughs) No. um, You know what? The rule of thumb with roses, if we're going to do some cutting back in the fall, which we often have to do because they're big and lanky and they're going to whip around in the wind and potentially damage themselves or somebody walking by. So we do sometimes have to cut our roses down a bit in the fall. 
but I always try to leave it as late as I can. I like to leave it until we've had a really good hard frost, <clears throat> preferably. But I know people that have hundreds of roses, and they go to Florida in November. Mm-hmm. So they start cutting down and covering their roses way back in the mild September, October sometimes, because they have to. It's just the, you know, it's their lifestyle, the way it works, and the roses don't seem to be hurt by, by that early putting-to-bed process. So you sort of have to do what you have to do. But yeah. if you can leave them, I think it's better. Well, I've, I've left a couple, but uh, I have quite a few. Mm-hmm. I just picked picked the last two roses the other nice. day when I was out there. Um, but anyways, I'll just have to take my chances. Yeah, and do, have you had, you've had light frost, I assume, but no hard uh, frost. Just a little on the roofs here, and yeah. we've had a bit of rain again this morning here, too. Okay. And um, it, But, you no, know, it was a funny summer, you know, with all the humidity and heat, and um, we were not really on water restrictions, but I'm very careful. Yeah. But anyways, uh, thanks for all your help, oh, and I my enjoyed pleasure. this show so much. Thanks well, so thank much you, for Rose. calling, and okay. Bye-bye. like Frank would say, yeah. say hello to Brighton for us. That's right. I know. I went biking through Presque Isle Point Park uh, um, just uh, this past summer, too, which is oh, right, very pretty. All mm-hmm. very, right there on the shore. Excellent. Now, there is uh, another first-time caller waiting online, and Mark, we're going to get to you momentarily. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, Franklin. Get going on the bell. Look at you. <laughs> That's for Mark in Hamilton. Good morning, Too Mark. Much fun. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Great. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey. I've got uh, two rose bushes. We planted two climbing roses, one on the other side of the garage door. Yep. In the spring, and the one they both grew like crazy. They're both as tall as a as a the garage as a garage door. Excellent. One Flowered all summer. It was beautiful. The other one gave me exactly one sad little flower. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Are they the same variety of rose? I can't answer that, Jordan. I thought I was buying two different colors of the same rose. Hmm. Um, maybe yes, maybe no. I, I don't know. Okay, so did you keep the tags that came with them, or... Again, maybe yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bottom line is roses are will usually perform quite well as long as you give them what they want. And what they want is a fairly fertile, well-drained soil so they don't like a soggy spot. They like lots and lots and lots of sun. The more sun, the better. Minimum six hours daily of sunlight will give you your best growth. It'll give you your healthiest plants, and it should give you your most flowers. Roses are fairly what we would consider heavy feeders, so it is important that you do fertilize them at least once in the spring with a granular-type fertilizer. In your case, you just planted the roses, so never judge a plant's performance on its first year of behavior because the first year is always an, an anomaly. They're stress, aren't they? Yeah, the whole transplanting has taken place and they're getting used to you and you're getting used to them. So there's, a, there's always a bit of a, you know, getting through the first year. But next year, spring, you will fertilize at least once, like I say, in the spring. And then depending on the kind of fertilizer you use, you may fertilize again uh, based on the recommendations on the package of fertilizer you buy for roses. Sounds good. I mean, they're they're in full sun. Mm -hmm. They're like ten feet apart. Mm -hmm. Soil's the same. The sun's the same. The varieties may be different. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Sure, I cut them back. Like they're 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 both beautifully tall. The plants are healthy looking. The leaves look great. Okay. So I cut them down for the both of them come down the same. Well, do you have you are what are they growing on? Have you provided trellises for them? Yeah, I actually had to, had to get a bigger trellis because the buggers uh, outgrew the first one. <laughs> I know. so funny. People, they're either, it's either like, something wrong with my plant, it's not growing, or there's something wrong with my plant, it's growing too much. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Uh, climbing roses, always we, we always kind of have to look closely at the plant in the fall. Two things you can do. One is you can affix the canes to the trellis using very um, not like twist ties or something like that. Something that's got a little bit of stretch to it. Could be pieces of pantyhose that have been cut up. Uh, could be proper little plant, um, you know, uh, clamps clips. Yep. or clips that you can get a hold of at, at a good garden center. So you do need to do that or you need to cut the canes down because you do not want them whipping around in the wind, damaging you or damaging themselves. But the real hard pruning on any of our roses takes place in the spring. Right now, it's strictly uh, good. It's just pruning to get through the winter. So it's just, you know, um, sort of safety pruning more than anything. Okay. Thanks a lot, Mark. And Thank uh, thanks Mark. for joining us here, first time caller. Now, we might have time to okay. squeeze one more into we are. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. If okay. we go fast, fast. All right. Wanda Scarborough, hello. Hello. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. Uh, I have the double impatience, excuse me, double impatience rooting. Mm-hmm. I don't seem to have um, luck with potting soil. It's so dry. Oh, well, okay. So what you want to do is you want to get, make sure it's clean potting soil that's not been used by any other plants before. They do typically now pack it dry, just, I think, to make it more convenient for the consumer getting in and out of their car or going up and down, you know, elevators. So as soon as you get the fresh potting soil home and it's bone dry, I cut the top off the bag and I start putting water straight into the bag. So you could stand it up in the kitchen sink and you can get some water in there and let, let it sit for 20 minutes or so. The water will slowly percolate through the potting soil until it's thoroughly moistened all through the soil, then you're in a position to put that soil into nice clean little pots, four inch pots to start, and little hole with a pencil in the center, your beautiful little impatience cuttings, one per four inch pot, firm the soil around, water lightly just to, you know, settle the soil and fill up the air spaces with water, a saucer below to catch the water and get those little uh, cuttings into a bright spot, and only water when the top of the soil really starts to feel dry. It'll be a, you want it to still be a bit springy. You don't want to get to the point that's so dry there's no spring in the soil, but you do want it to be just feeling a bit on the dry side on the surface, and you will water again every, throughout the entire winter. And then next spring, of course, you'll get them outside. Right. Okay. Something like triple mix is not good. Triple mix is not good. Triple mix is for the garden. That is not a potting soil. Potting soil is for the pots. So you must purchase something that says right on it, either potting soil or soilless mix for pots. Container soil. Triple mix is strictly for the ground. So if you've had bad luck with triple mix, that's why. That's maybe (laughs) So be careful of that. Okay. Thanks so much, Wanda. And thank you, thank you, everybody, for calling in and making yeah. our show uh, a, a, an interesting little place to visit. I think so. And uh, are you dressing up for Halloween? 
Uh, Are you just going to be yourself? I'm just going to, which is funny enough. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, truly. Uh, Yes, well, I'm looking forward to kids coming to my door on Monday. I've got all kinds of candy, and if they don't show up, I'll just have to eat it myself. Oh, dear. (laughs) Well, I'll come and help you. I have a great great pumpkin, though. It's really gnarly. I'm still going to carve that and get the seeds. I love pumpkin seeds. It's all about the seeds. Yeah, and you and I are heading off to Hyde Park. We are. We're going to go scouting, see if there's any acorns this year. I don't think there are. No. Either the squirrels have taken them all, or they're just, this has not been a good acorn year. Okay. A report uh, on that next week. Yeah, exactly. So thank you, everybody. Thanks. And, of course, also got a report on that Japanese wonder flower and how to overwinter it. Thanks for all your great questions, and uh, we'll see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.